Hello, folks. Welcome to Courtside Wellness. I'm your host, Brandon St. Croix, former athlete and current social worker. On today's episode, we will be sitting down with TJ Smith, former major junior hockey player, university hockey player, and major junior coach, and current mental health advocate. We will be discussing his own experience and recovery of mental health, his experience as an athlete and a coach, the stigma of mental health in the sport community, and how he's used his story to advocate for mental health in the sport community and in rural Newfoundland. Some of the topics we may be discussing may be triggering for individuals, so please be mindful. Thank you and enjoy. Hello, folks. We're here on Courtside Wellness. Today's guest is TJ Smith, former junior A and NCAA hockey player, hockey coach, and current mental health advocate. Thank you, TJ. Hey, how you doing? Good. Thanks for joining us here today on Courtside Wellness. Tell us a bit about yourself and your own journey in as an athlete, but also as a mental health advocate. I guess my journey starts back in northern Newfoundland in St. Anthony. I grew up there, a small community at the top of the northern peninsula. I uh, went to school there, obviously, and graduated from there in 2004. Um, after that, I moved to Nova Scotia to pursue playing hockey. I, I lived in Truro, Nova Scotia there for a few years, played junior A hockey, and then I went to play half a year NCAA hockey, and I left that uh, on a personal decision. We'll probably get into that eventually. And, uh, you know, uh, I'm a father. My son's nine years old. He lives in Nova Scotia with his mother. Uh, you know, uh, what else? Uh, you know, I'm living here now in northern Newfoundland again after spending 13 years in Nova Scotia. I was, as you said in the intro there, I was playing hockey and then I got into the coaching part of it, which I really enjoyed. And uh, it was then when I was coaching hockey in Yarmouth, Nova Scotia, that I uh, went and got diagnosed with depression and anxiety. And ever since being diagnosed with my mental illnesses, I've been trying to advocate for people that are struggling with their own problems, their own issues. I've done a lot of soul searching myself and understanding more about myself when it comes to taking care of yourself with regards to your mental health. I think we always get lost that you gotta take care of your physical health, but our minds are just as important or more important in my opinion. So yeah, that's pretty much me in a couple, in 30, 40 seconds. And that's a great point you brought up there at the end, too, where you say, you know, oftentimes we don't take care of our mental health as much as our physical health. We put so much emphasis on, okay, making sure we're eating the right foods or exercising or that we're taking care of ourselves in terms of going to our doctor. But in terms of going and, you know, going to talking to a mental health counselor or, do you know, checking our mental health or doing the things that we need to do to make sure we're mentally well, we don't always take care of that the same way. So for yourself, you say that, uh, when you're in, in Yarmouth, you went and seeked out help for your mental health. But how long would you say prior to that was it that you kind of had thought about, okay, I really need to get myself some proper help? I can pinpoint it. It was t- February 2012 in Halifax, Nova Scotia, just down from the Halifax Shopping Center. And I was living there going to school at St. Mary's at that point. And uh, my son was going to be born that May coming. So I was watching, I'm a big sports guy, obviously, and I was watching TSN. And Michael Landsberg had a documentary there of Hope and Darkness. And he had a few athletes come on there. Uh, a couple off the top of my head were Stefan Richet, 
Daryl Strawberry and uh, actually I believe Roddy Piper was under the wrestler and I, I'm, a, I'm a wrestling guy too so and when you're hearing those people talk about their struggles what they went through and you're just and I'm just there sitting in the living room like okay this is what I'm going through probably not at the same level they are at as an athlete but everything you're talking about with regards to their thoughts how dark it gets for them you know their feelings uh, I didn't know I was allowed i guess to speak about that as a man as an athlete because you're supposed to be tough and rugged and uh, you know show no signs of that weakness so when i saw that uh, documentary by michael landsberg i was like a ha moment i was like okay i gotta i got something going on here i still don't know what it is still not sure because growing up and going to school, when we had health classes, there was no talk about mental health or mental illnesses. Like you mentioned, physical health. We talked about that a lot. Or, you know, your popular diseases such as cancer, things like that. But growing up, there was no detailed conversations about mental health. And when I saw that documentary, I was like, okay, that's my moment I realized. And that was 2012, and I didn't really seek help until 2016. And like I said, you know, it's very common for individuals to suppress it, kind of minimize it and say, okay, you know what, I need to shake it off or this, you know, this is nothing and to ignore it because of, like I said, you know, there's, especially in the sports community, there's that warrior uh, impact or effect where we say, okay, we got to show, we got to show our strength, we got to show no weakness, you know, and if I talk about mental health or if I show that I'm having struggles with my mental health, that shows weakness and I'm not going to be able to make it to the next level or you know i'm not going to be looked at the same way yeah definitely and uh and that's it's great def- that you're able to kind of eventually get the help for yourself yeah uh you know i look back we can always talk with hindsight but i wish i had done it sooner but again 2012 when he when i saw that episode and i still didn't understand everything that was going on and again it took me too long to get help but i'm glad i did get help And what was the turning point for yourself, like I said, in 20, you know, four years later at 2016, to say, okay, I need to reach out now for help? I was going down a bad road. I was going down it by myself. Uh, I was binge drinking a lot. I was gambling a bit, uh, you know, like on a Tuesday, Wednesday night. Like, you know, it was no – and I can see things going in the wrong direction. Um, and it was just a breaking point for me when, you know, one day I almost thought I would take my life and – that was it for me. I was like, I, I got to do something before I do something to myself. So I, you know, I didn't know you can go into the hospital and talk to somebody and get help or see a psychiatrist. I did. I didn't comprehend that at the time. So, uh, you know, it was almost a breaking, it was a breaking point of almost taking my life. And I can still visualize how I was going to do it when I was going to do it, where I was going to do it. Uh, so when I got to that point, it was like, okay, I got to tell somebody what's going on. Or ask somebody, what can I do? I got to seek some help. And uh, that that dark, uh, that December of 2015 was really dark for me. And and it's curious like that when our minds go to those dark places, but the fact that you were able to say, okay, have the insight for yourself to know, okay, I need to put myself first, my care first to see the path you're on. That's the big step. And it sounds like that was the turning point and you were able to make a lot of adjustments in your life. And like I said, not just for yourself, but like I said, for other people around you in terms of being a mental health advocate, for being a support uh, person for a lot of individuals currently as well. Yeah. And what was a struggle for me then, too, was I was coaching hockey. I was coaching junior A and I was the head coach and general manager, which was a dream job for me. And I knew there would be a lot of risk if I go seek help 
And like, you know, and I had to go get admitted to the psychiatric unit there in Yarmouth. And I, I still love Yarmouth in the sense that it saved my life. And the uh, psychiatric unit staff there saved my life and were phenomenal. Uh, but, you know, there was a risk of, you know, missing coaching hockey, which I love. So I had to wait options, but, you know, my life was more important and things I was dealing with was really scary at that point. And I, you know, I was at my breaking point and, you know, uh, it's, it's never easy to stop doing something that you love. But uh, again, I was in desperate need of help and uh, going to the hospital was probably the best decision I ever made. And going back to, like I said, you know, throughout your playing career and coaching career, in terms of talking about mental health or like, was that ever a conversation among, you know, if it was players, coaches, ownership, managers, or was it always kind of a hush hush topic? Definitely never talked about because no one knew how to talk about it. No one knew how to bring it up. Uh, when I played junior, uh, you know, you're supported by your teammates and your billet family and your coaching and organization. And, uh, you, you don't know how to have that conversation. And plus you're a young man, you're 18, 19, 20. And again, your fear of what may happen if I speak about this or if I say, Hey coach, or Hey, uh, captain, you know, I got, I think I might suffer from depression. I mean, what's going to happen to me and stuff. And, and then that stigma of appearing weak or appearing inferior or can't keep up, whatever it may be, was never talked about. Uh, and I was lucky enough when I did coach again, like I, my story was, I was talking about it. I was meeting with students in schools and speaking to groups. And uh, in 2017, when I started coaching again, like the guy, the kids were so receptive to me and I didn't know what was going to happen going in. Uh, and I think I helped a few of those guys. And I think they appreciated that there was someone there that went through it as a player, never spoke about it. But, you know, dealt with his demons and got some help. And, uh, you know, I still talk to a few of these kids and, you know, I see more people in sports in the last few years come out and talk about whether it's depression or anxiety or bipolar disorder, whatever it may be. And or eating disorders and so many different types of mental illnesses. And, uh, you know, we no one's immune to it. You know, rich, poor, uh, super athlete can't skate what and hockey whatever it may be no one's immune to it so uh yeah. it's it's a difficult thing to deal with especially when you're a young kid back in 2004 2005 and again coming from rural newfoundland i didn't have a whole lot of education on the topic so it's a it's a it's a lot to handle as a young feller yeah and it's true like i said you know when you're you know intern like i said the junior leagues you're young just you know trying to figure out who am i what do i believe in what do i value and then, like I said, to add on all those pressures, like I said, being away from your support systems, being away from your hometown, at, those are just additional pressures that are added on. And then, like I said, to not be able to talk about it or, you know, how to bring it up or, to, you know, when you're not able to, you know, rely on, like I said, the coaching staff to, you know, bring it up. Then you're saying, okay, it's hard enough to bring it up yourself at that age. But it's great that you've been able to use your own experience as a coach to open up that conversation for the athletes you had coached. Yeah. Again, it goes back to 2016. I, I remember, you know, I journaled a lot, so I, I recall a lot of it, but uh, I remember going into the hospital and then like I was absent from work and no one kind of like, where's TJ? The players were asking and stuff like that. And no one, not many knew, if any. 
and it's not an easy thing to tell people, right? So I remember clearly on Bellet's Talk Day back in 2016, I said, enough of this. I'm going to just tell people what's going on because I, I, I really felt bad that I was absent and no one knew, but I'm also a guy that has trouble not being private in certain aspects of my life. And I started reading a bit more about mental illnesses and how to advocate for it. And I said, to hell with this. I'm just going to make a post on Facebook. I made a post and who I am, TJ Smith. I've been recently diagnosed with depression, anxiety, and uh, just a little spiel about that. And the support was overwhelming. Uh, I couldn't believe it, to be honest with you. Like people reaching out to me, old friends from Newfoundland, Labrador, people I used to play hockey with or other sports with, and incomplete strangers. They're the ones that caught me off guard. Like, okay, who are you guys? And I started reading it and they started telling me about their story and things they're going through. Uh, So speaking about it, and getting people asking questions about it was uh, something that stood out to me. And I decided then and there that I was going to help people because, you know, I went through it and I can have that conversation with them. I can empathize with them. And, you know, I knew what I just went through, how dark it can be and the bad habits you can get into and the behaviors you can get into. So I was like, I'm going to try to help people. And, you know, that's, that's what I started doing. And like I said, being able to be, you know, advocate and be a voice for people it allows others to feel, hey, I can have this conversation. There doesn't need to be this stigma around it. We can talk about it no different than we talk about high blood pressure or cardiac disease or any other health concern because mental health is no different. And if anything, it's more important to talk about it because, as we know, our mental health is closely linked to our physical health and vice versa. Yeah, Absolutely. It, it, it's so hard to talk about. I, I've reflected here now, and uh, you are right. It's you know we often forget about our mental health when people are talking about our physical health and what we can do to take care of that. Uh, but uh, you know, it's a struggle. I, I you know I feel bad for people that's going through it and still doing it on their own. I mean, I wish I can't you know I can't tell people what to do, but I wish people would speak out about it more or seek help or just ask a few simple questions to get a better understanding of what their maybe what their thoughts are telling them or what they're feeling and, and things like that. And then you might be able to uh, find out more about yourself. And that was a big thing for me in my recovery and treatment was find out what's going on and what knowing more about my disease and my illness, what depression is, what the symptoms are, uh, how do I fight that? And so once I got all that, it took a while. It wasn't just a couple of weeks type of thing. I, I was admitted to the psych unit three different times. Uh, so it was a battle. It was a journey, but again, I had I had to tell people about it. I had to speak about it because uh, I felt it was a, a good way to help people. But also being an athlete and being in the hockey world where hockey is, you know, in Canada, it's number one. I thought that was kind of a platform for me to use to speak about it. And, you know, it was 2016 then. So there was more chatter about mental illnesses in sport. Uh, still not a lot then, but, you know, Bella's talk day started up and things like that. So, uh, you know, I thought it was good timing for me to start speaking about it. And I felt supported by uh, my support system, my parents, my friends, and everybody that was involved trying to help me out. And it's great to hear that you had that support system. And like I said, that people were open to talking about it and support and sharing their own experiences and stories as well. In terms of, like I said, in the sport community, what gaps do you feel that, you know, there were at your time, like I said, of coming out about your story or even previous to that, that, you know, either is, has been corrected today or that still needs some correcting in mental health and the sport community. 
one for me, and this is sport community or any other community for that matter, stigma. There's still stigma around mental illness. Uh, as you mentioned earlier, is, you know, that perceived weakness. Uh, that's a big thing. It's a big thing in sport. Uh, you know, I'm a big hockey guy and I follow a lot of it. And I remember reading about Robin Leonard, you know, top tier NHL goalie. And he talked, he came out, started speaking about his demons a few years ago. And, you know, how uh, he, he started drinking all the time. And that's what he relied on to get through it. And, you know, when you start seeing these elite level athletes talking about it, that are at the physical level, they're probably, you know, better than most. Uh, even this past year with the Olympics, the, the gymnast Simone Biles, like, I mean, probably known better as an athlete you know, in many different ways. And then she's, you know, she's taking time off during the Olympics because she's dealing with something. And uh, it goes to show you can be in top physical shape, physically fit, best in the world. But still, there's things between her ears that are that's weighing us down that's hard to deal with. And uh, so the stigma's there. Uh, education. We need to educate the athletes more, whether they're pros or youth, and letting know what supports are out there, what resources are out there, what they may be dealing with. Uh, health classes, I hope, are changed since I went to school, but I'm not sure. And so any education you can help with the athletes. I, I do a bit of reading with sports and mental illness, and I do see that teams are starting to bring in sports psychologists or psychiatrists and or mental health coaches and working with their athletes because uh, you know they value their athletes and I think that starts at the top of the organization of course you know uh, things things have rapidly changed in the last you know 10 to 15 years in that regard I don't think in the 1990s NHL teams had mental health coaches or too many sports psychologists in the sense that they're helping with the mental illness maybe with their uh, performance, but with regards to your mental illness or other struggles they may be going through in life, I don't know if that was there. And I think for teams in sports is that support level. So stigma for me, educating them, but you got to have a support system too. It's it's not an easy road to do by take by yourself. Um, like I tell mm -hmm. people, I don't need you to understand what I'm going through or what's going through my head or what I'm feeling, but just be mm -hmm. there. If I need someone to talk to, maybe it's someone I need to cry to. Maybe I got to ask a question. Maybe I got to ask a question how to to get to someone or, you know, so uh, again, and that, and that's, I'm a big team guy and, you know, support obviously is a huge, huge aspect for me. I, you know, my parents, number one, my friends, and then my, when I start coaching again and even playing like rec hockey now or beer league stuff or softball and things like the guys are best kind to me. Um, they don't treat me any differently. And they're there for me. And I've had guys sit me down, and, you know, when the team leaves, they tell you, I don't know what you're going through, but if you want to talk to somebody, like, I'll listen. And and that means a lot. And that's a great point there, because oftentimes individuals are not looking for answers or what to, to, to do. They just need someone to listen and be that ear when needed. Yeah, sometimes you just got to vent. You got to get it off your chest, uh, out of your mind. And big thing for me was journaling. And that's what I told people. They asked for some advice. And I said, journal. Like, I started doing that when I was in the psychiatric unit. I said, it's almost like talking to somebody, but you're getting no feedback. You're just letting it all out there, right? What's in your head or in your heart, emotionally, mentally, whatever you got to say or feel, just write it down and get it out there. And that helped a lot because then I can go back and reflect on it and read it over. And like, okay, yeah, you know. Uh, 
you're struggling with something. And then you can compare it to a year. So like, say, 2016 to 2017, you see how far you come. You see what you did each day to get better. Like I was doing it daily and I, you know, got away from it, but it, it, it was so helpful. Uh, just just speaking about it, whether it was through a journal first, and then you, you develop trust with people and then you trust certain people and you speak more into uh, about it, obviously. And I'm, you know, I, I was lucky that I got paired with a good psychiatrist in Yarmouth and we, the trust level immediately was there. And, uh, you know, I credit him with saving my life. Mm -hmm. Just like a doctor would, not you know, an MD, a medical doctor. He's a psychiatrist. Actually, he's a child psychiatrist, and he was phenomenal to me. And uh, we tried to, several different medications, and he was upfront and transparent with me. And you know, it was it was a great relationship. And uh, I really, really am grateful that I met that man, and he was great to me and helped me. And I think the word you said there makes a big difference too around that relationship. When there's that strong rapport built, and that could be with, like I said, any individual. Like I said, it could be from a player to a coach, from a player to a psychiatrist. That can be from player to player. When that strong rapport and relationship is built, that's when the trust can happen. That's when the education can happen. That's when that conversation grows to not only better that relationship, but better the fighting the stigma and creating a greater awareness around mental health. Definitely. And you, and your relationships are huge. Uh, when I played junior in Truro, the same coach is there now, and he asked me to come back in 2017. So I got to coach with him after he coached me, and I can see a change in him and his understanding of what mental illnesses are or e even how to communicate and deal with teenagers and young men going through a lot of things like, you know, young men are going through a lot of different things, and if they don't have that person or people to reach out to or that relationship where they can trust somebody to talk to them, it's a hard, it's a hard battle. And uh, that coach there, he was phenomenal to the kids. He, you know, he might not know what they were talking about if they were struggling with something, but he was there for them. And uh, and, and for me, when I started coaching, and he, he relied on me when it came to things like that to help the our players if they were struggling with something. And I gave him some perspective on things. Like he, he said, he's playing bad. He's going through something like, yeah, but maybe this is what's going on outside the rink. And uh, sometimes we forget that when we're coaching, when we're behind the bench, when you want to win uh, and the player's not performing well, well, perhaps today he had something was going on in life that he couldn't handle or couldn't deal with or couldn't cope with. And it then it takes – over your play because it's you got to have your mind when you're playing you got to be sharp you got to be focused and if your head's elsewhere it's hard to be performing at a high level yeah and it's true too because and oftentimes i think in the sport community it's easy to forget every athlete they're a human first they have emotions they have feelings they go through their struggles so and oftentimes we think okay there are you know we build our whole identity and okay i'm a you know, a goalie or a defenseman or based in their sport and their position. But yeah, if we forget sometimes, say, okay, we're a human too. We go through the struggles and it might be an off day due to, you know, anxiety, depression, bipolar disorder, whatever it might be. But it's great that you're able to kind of bring that perspective to the team as well. Yeah, definitely. And, and the players that spoke about their struggles, mental illnesses, they were easier to understand because they would tell you, they, you know, but the people or the guys or the girls that hide it, uh, it's hard sometimes because you're trying to pro probe to 
see what's going on, but you don't want to overstep that trust and that privacy to uh, see what's really going on. And uh, and like you said, is it's a relationship thing, and you got to really work towards building it. And uh, you know, it's you are you are so right when you talk about they're human first. I believe that. I didn't when you asked me this when I was 19 or 20. I'm like, no, I'm a hockey player first. But you know, growing and getting a bit of experience and and understanding more about life, we're all humans first, and and that's one approach I do take when I'm coaching or playing. Is it's about the person first and foremost, and then the hockey player. You know, they're going to be a person a lot longer. They're going to be a hockey player, especially someone. You know, not all of us are going to the NHL or AHL. So it's a you know try to teach them some life skills and try to help them be a good human and help them whatever they're going through in life. It's a, and it's a great approach to have because, again, it helps especially you know in the transition points. Again, when that athlete's career is over or nearing the completion of ending, it, you know, it helps with that sense of, okay, who am I now? What's, you know, that identity loss of, okay, I'm not an athlete no more, then who am I? When you teach the, you know, athletes, okay, you're more than just the athlete. You're also... It was, you know, a brother, a friend, a cousin, a son, a daughter, whatever it might, you know, whatever other roles you have in life. It helps that person know, okay, I'm more than just my sport. Definitely. Uh, I can relate to that. I, I, I it's tough. I, I guess I grew apart from certain relationships in my life because I was identified with hockey as a player. And that's what I was. Uh, as you mentioned, I'm an NCAA and I, I had a scholarship there for four years and I only went for half a year. Uh, I really struggle with that transition of going there. Um, still being identified as a player. The school part was no problem. I was always strong in school. I never had that problem. But other areas of life, I, I struggle with that transition. And where I was identifying as a hockey player, thinking that's what I am, that's who I am, I, I, I really grew apart from, say, my parents. I forgot that I was a brother. You know, you forget that you're a son. You forget you got friends home. Uh, it, I really went through a couple years there, and I, I really haven't spoke too much about this, uh, where I felt that I grew apart from people uh, because I didn't have an identity. I didn't. I was still struggling with a lot of things, and I didn't know what was going on or who I was. And the only thing I had to latch on to was being a hockey player, and that's how people knew me. And uh, eventually you get tired of hearing that, you know, I'm a person, and uh, I forgot that, and uh, that was a part of my downfall before getting help. And it's very easy, especially in the culture of sport and and within the society of, okay, that's what you're seen as, you know, when people, you know, Google a athlete's name, it comes up either, you know, pictures of them playing or their statistics or a highlight reel of them. And that's what they get automatically assumed as. And it's very easy after we've been told for years and years and years, this is what you are, this is what you are, this is what you are. We believe that's all we are. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I, there was pressure just on me at the local level. But, I, you know, even the top athletes in the world, you know, I, I know Simone Biles took a lot of heat for just stepping away from the, the gymnastics there for a bit. A uh, very decorated athlete in her field and, you know, took a lot of heat because, you know, you're not supposed to do that. You're, that's, you're above your mental illness and things like that. And, and, I'm there. I can totally get what she's going through, not at the elite level she's at, but as an athlete and the expectations and the pressures that people put on you, 
obviously I'm nowhere near her level because, you know, she, she, she's world class, but I could empathize with the feelings and thoughts and I can understand her decision to step back for, from uh, her uh, sport for a while. And that's the thing, like, and we often don't talk about it. We talk about the percentages of, you know, athletes that go on to, you know, it might be NHL or NBA or NFL or Olympic level, or we talk about the percentage that, you know, do X, Y, and Z, or that, you know, have certain statistics, but we don't talk about that 35% of elite athletes will go through a mental health crisis at some point in their life. Yeah, it's hardly spoke about. Uh, definitely as there, I find it's more when athletes are established that they do speak about it as opposed to their journey to being established. Uh, it's almost like it's too much pressure to speak about it. Like if a, uh, let's say the, the kid, Connor Bernard, the hockey player is going to be, you know, 16 years old. What if he started talking about his mental illnesses now? Would teams look at him differently in his draft year in a couple of years? Or is it when he gets established and he might talk about it then? So there's so many different angles with it i guess and people don't quite understand uh when it comes to that but uh yes yeah, it's, it's it's never easy for an athlete especially when you're trying to succeed and it's it's and when there's pressure to succeed is even harder and i know one area that you've really lent your voice to is around peer support do you feel there's a role for even peer support in the sport community i think peer support is huge just on my experiences alone uh you know i'm a montreal canadians fan and i know like recently carrie price was going through some stuff and take some time away from the team uh you know how powerful would that be if carrie went to a peer support role for players and youth when he's retired and stuff like that uh, what a guy to relate to you know and uh, we started up a peer support group in san anthony in 2018 and it came about after a friend of mine, he was a bit older, but he played sports with my dad. And he played fast pitch and softball, and he played hockey, and he was a goalie. And he's a, he, was, he was a good athlete. And uh, he took his life a night after I saw him. And uh, I was really angry. I was just scared, disappointed, sad, a lot of emotions. And we decided then we need to do something because something's not right. So we decided to attempt the peer sport because I'm not, you know, I'm not a licensed doctor or anything like that. So I thought to myself, what can I do to help? And I've done some research on peer support and we started hosting weekly meetings. And I, it wasn't just for athletes. It was for whoever needed to talk about their mental health or their mental mm-hmm. illnesses. And, you know, I uh, had so much anxiety that first night who's going to come or if anybody's going to come or how's this going to go? How's this going to look? Uh, what am I getting into? You know, all those questions. And honestly, one probably the best thing I may have done for other people was to create that peer support group. Uh, it was incredible. Uh, the amount of people that showed up and the things we spoke about and the relationships we built, sharing our thoughts and feelings. Again, People coming from all different backgrounds, different experiences, different mental illnesses, but just talking about it with other people and that sense of support and empathy, uh, really done wonders for people, I think, and, and definitely done wonders for me. 
And we were doing awesome until COVID hit because we were we were uh, meeting weekly at the funeral home in St. Anthony. And as soon as COVID hit, obviously kind of slowed down things. And uh, it's something I look forward to get back up and running if COVID ever goes away. No, like I said, it, the, the sense where people can say, okay, I belong, I'm not alone. I don't have to feel this isolation feeling that I'm the only one going through this. It's so powerful, the power of a group. So it's great to see that you guys were able to, you know, have that sense of community in St. Anthony. Yeah, definitely. And it was for adults. And I had parents reaching out about their youth coming. And we, we strictly kept it to be an adult just for confidentiality reasons and things of that nature and privacy. But uh, when I coach, I coach youth. And uh, that's one thing I do focus on, like letting them know, like if there's something bothering you, you need help with anything. Because I'm a big believer to transition zone or transition time for youth is that like early teens and we can get lost there. Uh, there's many different roads to take when you're 13, 14 going through a lot of things physically, whether it's puberty, puberty and stuff, but also mentally you're going through a lot of different things too. And you're trying to find out who you are, what you are, where you want to be. And when I coach hockey, I, you know, I, I treat them like we talked about earlier that they're human first because uh, coaching hockey, you know, not, not, I don't see too many NHLers. I shouldn't say that. There's a few NHLers in New, from Newfoundland now, but uh, you know what I mean? Like you're trying to teach them life skills and how to some coping skills, for example. Like if something's going bad in a game, you try to, you know, yeah. teach them some resilient, resiliency skills and things like that. So, uh, you know, I try to work with youth, adults, everybody. I, I really care about the youth because I believe if we catch – their problems early and their struggles early, especially if it's mental illnesses, uh, you know, we can do a lot more for them if they get the proper support and resources. And Def has a great point there in both sides of where no matter what level of hockey they get to, if they get to, you know, the NHL or they get to, you know, being 17 and just loving the game, having the skills of resiliency is so important because life is going to happen. And without those skills, it makes life harder. But also, if we can, you know, give youth the skills there at a young age, you know, help them through their struggles at the young age, it can set them up for success long term as well. Yeah, and that's the goal when you're trying to put that into the youth said, especially teenagers. Uh, we were all teenagers once, and I know how hard and stubborn we can be at times. But you you, you build that relationship as we talked about, and offer that support. Let them know that they're there for you're there for them, regardless. I tell. I tell every kid I coach and stuff, if you're going through something, you need someone to talk to, you can talk to me if you feel comfortable. Like, I might not know exactly what you're going through or where you're coming from, but I, I'm there to listen, and I'm sure we can have a conversation about it and we can chat about it. And I think that just, A, starts building that trust and that relationship, and B, it, it may help that person further down the road. And in terms of, like I said, Build, build that relationship, provide the education, that awareness. Where do you think would be the first place to start in terms of providing that education and awareness in the sport community? Sport community, I think it starts when we start seeing the NHLs, the NFLs, the MLBs, when they start doing it, it trickles down. That's my feeling on it. Because um, what do we do when we're youth? We're watching TV Saturday night. Montreal and Toronto's playing. You've seen that that's, where, that's what we strive to be, is be them and be on TV. So if those guys are coming out and speaking about their issues, such as a Carey Price, 
you know, there's kids growing up saying, I want to be like Carey Price. Well, now Carey's speaking about this stuff. And I think if the pros are doing it and uh, Olympic athletes, the high-end people, athletes, I think that's when they're role models, right? They're role models. And the youth is going to see them talking about it and handling their situations and puts more awareness on the topic. So uh, that's for me, you know, if the pros are starting to do it, which they are, I still think there's more pros that are going to talk about it in the coming days and years. But if they start doing it, I think it's a trickle-down effect. And then I think you're going to hit your junior levels, especially for hockey. I think that's huge. I mean, kids are – we have over 200 junior teams between major junior and junior A in Canada. Kids leaving home to go to small-town Canada to play hockey where there's a lot of pressure to win, to succeed because it's Canada and it's hockey. And, you know, there's a lot that comes with it. So uh, I think I would love to see the CHL and the junior A leagues and junior B leagues for any sport, you know, start working towards having, they may not be able to finance someone in their own team or organization, but maybe a league support. Maybe it's someone, a former player or a couple psychiatrists or psychologists or something along those lines where they can reach out or players can reach out to these people and, you know, talk about it. Maybe it's a former player. Maybe it's a, you know, doctor. So uh, that's where I would like to see it go. Um, that's where I think we can have those, those resources. I mean, minor hockey would be great, but for a lot of it, it's just, uh, we got volunteer coaches and stuff and, you know, with costs of trying to get psychiatrists and psychologists in, we don't even have a psychiatrist or psychologist in Snappy in our local, uh, uh, health region. So I can't, you know, how's a minor hockey association or a junior B team or someone going to try to hire one. Right. So, uh, those are some of the struggles, but I would love to see it start with the top tier sports. And I believe the tier below it and so on and so forth, it will get down to uh, the grassroots level. Yeah, no, it's a great point. I know in the CHL, so the junior leagues across Canada, they ha- for the WHL, OHL and Quebec major junior league, I think it was about three years ago, they put in a policy and rule that they had to have a connection to a mental health, uh, support and so it could be shared among a few teams so it might be three or four teams in Ontario might team up and say okay we're connected to this counseling or counselor or a psychologist or you know a peer support person so I know those things are in the works but again you know, the awareness and the education has to be out there as well that these services and supports are there because sometimes things are done but the education and knowledge about it is not always clear yeah I, I definitely agree with what you just said there and uh, you know, and peer support as if it's a few different facets to it. Like, yeah, the peer support would be great. Like a former player spoke about, it. but you also need the medical doctors there, psychiatrists to talk about, like, I did not know anything about antidepressants, for example. And I was on several different ones because my psychiatrist, we tried a few different things, a few different pills and it wasn't working. So it was a frustrating period. Uh, but people it, with antidepressants got to understand that it's not just like Tylenol or Advil. You take one, you feel better instantly. It's a, it builds up in your system for so long. And I, you know, may, a peer support person might be able to tell them that, but if it comes from a doctor as well or a counselor, they might be, okay, this is, you know, just real. And this is, this is great information. And so it's, the support has to be there and it has to be like, you know, just can't be former players or just all doctors. Like it got to be a mix uh, a dynamic there to help these youth and uh, the more perspectives you get medical 
being scientific or lived experiences from people, I think it would do wonders for them. Yeah, the holistic approach, like that, really, like, kind of, you know, how you say they kind of have all those perspectives in one to be able to kind of a stronger team and support network around the athlete. Yeah, definitely. Just an example, when I played hockey, I remember going home afterwards, getting sleep was a big struggle. Like, I'd be up until like three, four, five o'clock in the morning trying to get to sleep, you know, uh, still wired from playing hockey, but not knowing how to calm down, you know, calm my body down, calm my mind down and things like that. So uh, some coaches, when you're coaches, they might not see that, right? That's things when I was, I was home in my billet house and I'd be down in my room and no one knew that I was up all hours because I, you know, I didn't tell nobody, but plus I was there by myself. So there's just a thing like that, for example, and that there lack of sleep or right amount of sleep affects performance, right? So it's all tied in to uh you know performing at a high level but also taking care of yourself and, and understanding what you got to do to take care of yourself yeah that no, was a great point like say bringing back again the connection to the physical and mental health and how it's all intertwined together definitely yeah I just I, I i didn't realize it was so intertwined until i started going through my own recovery and treatment uh you do you do more reading and trying to understand what you're going through and then I kind of reflect back to my time as a high-end athlete when I was playing I was doing well and I was like okay here's maybe maybe things I was going through that I'd ever recognized then and probably should have got help for then but uh you know it's everything's in hindsight so to speak sometimes when it comes to your depression and stuff like should have could have done this that wish I did that but that's it um you know, I'm glad I'm still above ground. I mean, like I said earlier, it was really close to not being that way. So uh, just, you know, uh, glad to be here. Yeah. And I'm glad, you're, you know, you brought that point in. It kind of really goes well into kind of our rapid questions in terms of could have, uh, should have, would have. But in terms of what is one piece of advice you wish you could give your younger self with the knowledge you have now? That's a good question. <laughs> it's supposed to be rapid fire. Um, work on your relationships. I found that uh, I, I didn't do that. And that goes into support. I think relationships equal good support. And I, I did not do that properly. So I would tell, tell myself that for sure. Yeah, definitely a great one for any you know young athlete or any individual for sure. In, ter- in your own perspective, what makes a well athlete? well athlete uh everything we kind of talked about today you gotta be physically fit to perform but you you gotta be mentally well um like i i go back to robin leonard i read his story as and he was playing in nhl but he was drinking you know what i mean he was he he openly talked about how much he was drinking and still playing at nhl and then when he started getting help and Speaking about it, he he was you know up for the Vesna Trophy as top goaltender in the league. So uh, you know, and, and emotionally too. It's it's for me. It's three of it. You know, physically you gotta be ready. Mentally you gotta be well, and emotionally you gotta be well. Like I said, you know, all aspects. Like I said, you know, it's a holistic part for sure. And the final rapid question: What brings you peace today? Peace today. Gratitude. Uh, grateful for the people that 
helped me get through my struggles, that helped me through the darkness, uh, that stayed next to me, stayed with me through the tough times. Because it's easy to lose those supports or those relationships because uh, it's it's not an easy journey when you're dealing with mental illnesses. And, uh, you know, I'm grateful that I had some really, really good people in my life that never gave up on me. And that's some great, again, goes back to the support, the connections, the relationships, and again, you know, how it impacts all areas. So, TJ, I want to thank you again for coming on Corsa Wellness, talking about your story, your voice, like I said, moving forward. And like I said, it was great to talk to you there. And uh, like I said, definitely keep doing the great stuff you're doing. And it's definitely going to be helping to decrease the stigma and bring awareness to uh, mental health, not just in the sport community, but overall in the whole world. Thank you. I, I really appreciate you asking me to come speak with you about this tonight. Uh, it's something dear to my heart. Uh, grew up big sports fan, obviously a big hockey fan. My dad's a Leaf fan. He had posters Wendell Clark and Doug Gilmore on the wall when we were growing up. And, uh, you know, it's it's all tied in for me. And, uh, again, I, I love what you're doing and appreciate what you're doing. And, uh, again, thank you. Folks, if you enjoyed today's episode and want to check out other episodes, check us out on Spotify, Apple, Audible, and Podbean. You can also follow us on social media at Wellness Athletic Services on Facebook and Instagram. If you have any questions or ideas for the show, feel free to email us at wellnessathleticservices at gmail.com. Thank you and stay well. Mm-hmm.